You know, we've got this great big neon sign behind the reception desk that just says care. And, and it is such a simple thing, but everybody knows what that means. So holding on to that very dearly and the idea of don't let hubris get in the way. Don't start to believe your own story too much. You know, stay humble. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm excited to be joined today by Simon LaFosse. Simon is the founder and executive chairman of the technology recruitment business, LaFosse Associates. He also more recently founded a rapidly growing subsidiary business called Futureproof, which is a diverse and free-to-learn tech academy. What's really interesting about LaFosse is that everyone's a shareholder in the group, and the mission is to continue to rapidly grow a purpose-driven business with the hope of positively impacting the whole recruitment industry. LaFosse Associates have won many awards for growth and also the way they treat people, which they keep at the heart of their ethos as they continue to expand. The business is 15 years old, over 250 strong, has a number of UK offices and also operations in Los Angeles and New York. Simon, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's going to be, there's so much. I've wanted to talk to you for a few years, actually, so I'm glad we're finally doing this. Um, We have a mutual connection. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Charlie Rawlings and Seb Sharp at Adventure Recruitment in LA, um, Ah. they speak very highly of you as a kind of, I think you're a friends of their family or one of their family and uh they definitely regard you as a kind of role model and 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 mentor but um they're members of my apex coaching and peer advisory group and they speak extremely highly of you so oh that's really nice to hear yeah no i I know i don't know uh seb so well but i know charlie i know his dad really well Uh, we, we ski together we're good mates and and we live quite close to each other and they've just set up an amazing business. Uh, Absolutely. They, as, you, as you know, they're young and, and they've just gone for it. And, and uh, I just have huge amounts of respect for them, actually. So I've, I've uh, tried, I, I, or not tried to give them a little bit of advice. They've come to me with a few really smart questions and I've, and I've kind of done my best to help them. But they're, they're doing brilliantly without my help, I can tell you that. They're doing absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's um, it's it's. Uh, an honor to be part of their journey. Um, so kinds of things I'd love to talk to you about today are, you know, the growth you've achieved is incredible, 30% annual growth over a 15 year period. But uh, adjacent to that, or maybe kind of central to that is the culture and the values that you've created at LaFosse, which is what you're famous for and treating people in a certain way. And a lot of recruitment businesses pay lip service to this idea of values. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing how that works at LaFosse. What, you know, tell us about the culture and how you've managed to retain that as you've grown and expanded and opened multiple offices. Yeah, sure. So um, the, the, the thought process behind it was kind of gloriously simple. I'm quite a straightforward person. And I'd spent, uh, I don't know how long, 15, 15 years in recruitment before I, before I set up uh, LaFosse Associates. And what I'd noticed in terms of the way I, I just did what I did as, initially as a recruiter and then as a manager was that the better I treated people, uh, the more successful I was. So whether that was candidates, whether it's clients, whether it was the people I worked with. And um, and that seemed to round, r- run slightly counter to the kind of general ethos of the, of the recruitment industry at that point in time. You know, very competitive, very results-oriented, very, very kind of cash-focused, very short-term focused. And and to a certain extent, you kind of you've got to turn that on its head and go, it's not so much about what you're going to do this month. It's about how you've shown up as a person. And 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 if you show up in the right way every moment of the day, then uh, you, you're going to build something really substantial over time. And so um, that was that was what I'd been shown. That's what that, that's what I'd I'd been shown really in terms of in terms of my own building my own kind of business within a business as as, as it were. So I and I just saw you know, within the organization I was working in and also within the wider industry, that just wasn't widely adopted. So, and if, and it felt increasingly like a key strategic advantage, apart from obviously just a kind of slightly more satisfying way to to work and live your life. Uh, and so I just, I looked around actually when I was thinking about leaving and tried to find an organization that kind of 
espouse this and I couldn't find one. So I was kind of like this reluctant uh, entrepreneur, to be honest with you. I had uh, three kids, uh, you know, uh, a big mortgage and, and it, and it felt like, uh, probably not the most sensible thing to do, but I knew it was going to be successful. So I just started like that. So, so when you kind of start a business with that conviction, then the, the first bit's really easy because th- that's why you started it. So, so everything I did was to, towards that. And the people that came in came in mostly because they liked the culture and they saw the success. And so, in, in the early days, it was very, very intentional, and it's still intentional now in terms of keeping that keeping that culture. But w- w- what I would say now is it has this amazing uh, momentum of its own, uh, and, it, and it's like a flywheel. People come in here, and they're treated well by people who who, who work here already. And so, when it comes around to their turn to to look after somebody that's coming in, they do the same. Um, you know, all, all the kind of normally contentious areas. Look, we still fall out every now and again. There's still friction in this company. Of course, there is a bunch of ambitious people, but there is something where I think they really value uh, the, the business that comes to us, the reputation we have, the the enjoyment they get from working in in that way, and so that is very self sustaining. And that's the really really exciting thing for me because I was paranoid about this. You know, how do I keep the culture? Everybody says, you know, the moment you get past Dunbar's number, it's going to be really difficult because you don't know everybody and all the rest. But that is on, with the egotistical assumption that it's all about you, which of course it's not. Uh, it hasn't been for a long, long time. It's a, it's all about each other and, and whether collectively uh, this is working for individuals. And people would much rather be nice to each other than not. So. Uh, if if you give them that as a, as a, as a starting point, they then see the results and they benefit from it. Th- then you've got a really positive ecosystem that is is pretty self perpetuating. Which isn't to say every now and again you need to step in, but you need to step in very carefully, and very lightly, and you kind of coach rather than tell. So so don't preach about it. But um, and that is that's the really exciting thing for me. Actually, you can you can kind of see it in my face. This idea, you know, we're two fifty now that we go to. F- because I was always kind of waiting for this moment where, <clears throat> you know, you felt you're on a slow glide down culture-wise and it all became about structure and process and people didn't care as much. And and I would say that the energy and the capability of the people in the organization uh, is, is far surpassing mine now. Um, so there's a very natural process whereby they, they've got more energy than I have and, and they're passionate about this stuff. So actually, I see our, our journey from 250 to 500 uh, in, t- in, in terms of keeping that culture and possibly even enhancing it slightly, I, I, I think that's a very, I think that's very likely to happen. And um, you know, w- without us having to manufacture engineer it too much, um, whether it does or not, you know, watch this space. But but I'm 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 generally a fairly anxious person. I think you know, kind of only the paranoid survival that kind of stuff. So I think it kind of helps to be like that. But I don't feel anxious about that actually. I really think it it, it, it will continue. Fantastic. And it's interesting. We use the analogy of a flywheel a lot in our coaching program. Um, I'm on a philosophical level, I totally buy into what you're sharing, Simon. I'm wondering though if you could walk me through some of the practicalities or that like when you're designing a culture, rather than have a culture by default, which naturally tends tends to uh, be similar to the personality of the founder or the original directors, and it's it's a cult of personality, and it's the the culture sort of emanates from there. It sounds like you've gone in and intentionally designed things to be a certain way with a certain philosophy. But how do you how do you construct that? Like, what are could you give some practical steps around that? Yeah, I mean, firstly, it's not. I'd like to think it's not about a, a kind of cult of personality. It's about it's about behavioral traits. So, you know, some of which I exhibit, some of which I don't, <clears throat> but all of which I think are good. Um, so it, it's it's not. It definitely isn't about me, and I'm not capable enough. And I have so many, you know, uh, all, all sorts all sorts of, of, of failings that I actually wouldn't want it to be. <laughs> Look at me and do that. You know, some of the stuff I do is good, but it's about um, it's about take that, not not uh, just just kind of watch me so so firstly it's it's simply not about that it is simply about a a, a, a kind of behavioral fr- framework that if you you know with, without I mean behavioral framework sounds very hr doesn't it it's actually just about being a decent person and if you keep that uh close close to mind 
then we all know what that means. You interpret it in different ways. It, it, it means slightly different things to each person, but that's really good because that's that gives it integrity. That keeps it alive. It's like, you know, what what for you is, a, is an act of kindness would be slightly different for somebody else, but, but they'll both feel kind when, they, when they're offered to somebody else and they'll feel very genuine if it's what you think. Is, is is appropriate. I'm not. I'm not sure that answers your question. But well, it's it's the start of an answer. So, first of all, it's to it, it it's behaviors, uh, behavioral traits, and being a decent person is one of those things. Are there other sp- specific behaviors which are sort of woven into the, the DNA of the business that you uh, are the things that you select for when you hire people that you also reinforce through training and through what gets recognized, what gets rewarded, and so on. Yeah, so so is is three very simple values: uh, care, ambition, and humility. Care we've 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 touched on, and and all that 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 speaks to uh, ambition. You know, if if you've got a lot of care and and a, and a lot of humbleness, you're not necessarily going to grow a, a business. So I think it's really important to balance those two with ambition, and that's individual ambition as well as group ambition. Um, so, so we do we want people that that are you know that that don't want an easy life that that that, that haven't come you know to to Sleepy Hollow to to kind of uh, just in, kind of just in, just enjoy a, a slow pace of life. We we want people who really want to be the best they can. Um, but the best they can, as defined by those other two, which is care and humility, and um, so, so it, it, they sit nicely together. They're kind of juxt- juxtapositioned a little bit, and there's a little bit of friction bet- between them. But uh, but I think they work really well. And the humility bit kind of comes after the care and the ambition, right? Because if you get the care and the ambition right, you become very successful <clears throat> individually and as a company. So what happens when people enjoy a lot of success, especially when they're young? Well, guess what? You know, it, uh, it changes the way they see things a little bit. So you've really got to keep that. Uh, humbleness as well uh, uh, because otherwise that then eats the other two I think so on the face of it it's a really simple thing ambition care humility but together they're 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 very powerful I love that and uh, humility is and ambition I've not the care one is interesting I'd like to explore that further but the ambition and humility together is Absolutely what we look for when we're selecting people to become clients of ours. And on the show, like you, it, it, I think you've listened to a few episodes. Um, some people are, who are super successful also have quite large egos. And, um, and that can be entertaining and that's you know, uh, interesting to interview people. But as far as who I want to spend time with on a daily basis and, and really you know, on, work with on a deeper level... I, I that just does not work for me. I, I want to work with people who have that humble self confidence. Um, so the ambition I get, the humility I get. What does care look like within the context of a recruitment business? Because that one's seems like the hardest to kind of embed. Mm. It's it's so many things. I think first of all, you've got to select for it as an innate trait. So if you have somebody that's a bit selfish or, or kind of got low emotional intelligence, then they're, they're probably going to find it difficult to live that one r- r- really well. I think it's people, you know, I was speaking to a manager the other day, a really nice guy, um, and um, he was very successful and then went into management. And he said, the thing that amazed me, Simon, and I, and I think he was being genuine, he said, the thing that amazed me was, you know, I just got such a kick out of being successful myself. He said, but when when the first person I managed did their first deal, he said, that gave me more pleasure than anything. And then you just go, you, you just kind of go, no, you know that's going to be a successful manager. And it's lovely to be able to say that because that that's where they get a kick. It's not about them, it's about other people. Um, so care, look, it's so multifaceted, but but you know when you're dealing with a caring, sincere person when you're not. And, and so select those people and you're you're most of the way there, especially if you put them in an environment that's already like that. And that's that's the lucky thing we have. You know, sp- specifically, what does it mean? Well, it, it, you know, when you're talking to candidates, it means giving them feedback uh, that isn't the feedback they want to hear, but doing it in a way that where you take care with it, right? So you you don't just send them an email or you don't leave them hanging. You you call them quickly, even sometimes if you haven't got anything to say. You just say, like, I, w- I want you to know that there's no there's been been no update. I'm trying to push it through, but but you know you can't and. And so all of those things, we know what care feels like when we're a candidate. Yeah. Uh, and um, care sometimes is giving 
tough feedback, right? So mm. when you said this, that really put me off. Or And that can be in appraisals internally, that can be to candidates. Um, care also, I think, with clients is not just saying, yeah, yeah, we'll find the person. It's going, well, actually, to be honest with you, that if you keep if you ask for those three things uh, and, and it's at this salary level, I think we're really going to struggle with it. And um, they appreciate that. You know, on, the, on absolutely, on, you've got to work a little bit harder. The easiest thing is to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go and find you one, and then come back and go. Well, actually, you've got to pay ten k more, and then suddenly that they kind of go, well, you took it on that base, you know. So all of those things, I think they're very small examples, but but it's it is actually difficult to, to define. I think one of the important things we do is we don't try and define what an act of care is. Rather, we try and recognize when we see it. So one of the things we do every, every week without fail is at the uh, Friday wrap-up is we try to talk less about the people who are, who are being commercially successful and more about the people who are being culturally successful. So there's a culture award every week and we just ask people to, to nominate people. And, and generally we have, I would say, 20 to 30 individual comments that where they talk specifically about what it was they did for them that week that they didn't need to so we're not talking about a manager looking up you know we're talking about unexpected acts of kindness <laughs> that has made somebody's days d- days better uh, uh, and um that is definitely a mechanism that helps keep it alive uh, and and uh, you know we we, we have other cultural awards th- throughout the year there, there there's some f- there's some incentives attached to them so, so we're not saying that it's all about billing we're saying actually uh it, you know that side of it is just as important um and and i think you've got to keep noticing it you know what's that lovely phrase catch, catch them doing something right uh, and i think that's it that helps to keep it alive um and it, but it isn't you know that a phrase again i seem to be speaking cliches here what you what what you measure you can manage kind of thing yes um so so but, but you've got to be careful because you can kill it by trying to measure it right exactly but you but you can recognize it when it when it's happening and and that's the thing i think that we're we're probably trying to focus on most amazing okay cool would you like to make the transition from pure contingency to being a retained recruiter do you want to be respected as a true business partner by your clients while increasing your average fee If so, then clearly you need to do something different. You can't just keep doing what you're doing and expect a different result. Our sponsor, iIntro, gives you a turnkey solution for winning retained searches and managed service agreements at higher fees. You will take business away from your competitors because you can actually show the client a unique methodology in a very tangible way and demonstrate conclusively how you will improve their staff retention and reduce their total cost per hire while also saving hours of management time. If you'd like to see how iIntro can help you to grow your recruitment business and increase your average fees, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Book a free consultation. There's no obligation, and if you mention that you listen to this podcast, iIntro have pledged to offer you a 25% discount on any of their services. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained to get started. So um, I'd like to, we'll circle back to the assessment part because a lot of recruiting companies are in growth mode right now, and it's, it, ironically, recruiting recruiters can be very challenging um, but tell me more about these culture awards and how you, like, how you celebrate success at LaFosse. What what else are you guys doing on that front? Again, I think you've got to be careful with that because um, in the in the past, you know, celebrating success can be going down the pub and getting drunk, right? And that 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 isn't that isn't necessarily where great things happen, especially late later on in the evening. So what we do try and find is a whole variety of different things that we can do together as a team that are sometimes partly connected with some kind of training message. They're always fun, right? So, um, But often it's about something that involves some teamwork. It may be go-karting, it may be virtual reality, it may be you know, there's there's a whole bunch of of of, of different things that that we do. Um, canoeing recently, uh, it's at the Olympic Park was something that somebody <laughs> else did. We have a we have a very famous annual ski trip, as well as you can see see behind me some of yeah. some of the examples where um, we everybody dresses up on one day, which is great fun. And 
so there's you know there's again uh, again a lot of it's down to individual manager discretion and and the lovely thing about the managers they often go hey what do you want to do what should we do so it's you know it's it's a it's a, it's a kind of combination of us making an effort to take time to call out the good things um but not imposing our view of of what celebrating those things should look like okay excellent so you have some things that you've traditionally done like the annual ski trip and then you also have some room to get input from the team and from managers what do people actually want to do to celebrate but are these things um do you have to qualify for example to go to the ski trip based on performance or no and and that's a really good question and a really important point so your qualification for the ski trip is is that you work for the company uh, and you know there are separate ones that are are about high performance, and that's appropriate as well. But um, you know, like the culture awards, you know whether it's the person who's 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 got a tough job of 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 collecting the debt, or making sure that contract administration is as good as it should be. All of these people, without without these people, we can't do our job. Yes. And 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 so there's this kind of understanding that th- those people are just as important and. You may well be paid differently, and that re, you know re, that that's the reality. But that doesn't mean that you're a second class citizen. And so, I think getting everybody on the ski trip is is really key to that. And a lot of the things we do are not. Most of the things we do are are about company wide things. Like we have a, a wonderful sports day that is um, that is uh, you know everybody comes to. There's a whole bunch of things. Um, and I think, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, I think that's that's pretty pretty critical. Fantastic. So this um, culture award is a weekly. People nominate a colleague who they've observed demonstrate one of the values and mm-hmm. put them forward. And then, is there a is there a prize or is it just the the, the recognition? Yeah, no, or? yeah, there's recognition, which I think is probably the most important thing. Yeah. There's generally a bottle of champagne. Yeah. Um, sometimes there's more than one winner. Um, but everybody gets uh, th- th- a few of them get picked and read out, and the person that's got the most nominations or done the most amazing thing it g- it gets an award. And and the next on uh, on Monday, the list of, of of it all comes around, and it, it's really heartwarming to see. Um, and you know, the other thing is it, it's 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 you know that's clearly just one example of it. I think. You can't get promoted in this company if 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 you're not ex- exhibiting those, you know, and 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 so you've got to embed it in some of the the, the, the more prosaic kind of control mechanisms if you if you're going to be serious about it. But I think that comes to a policing thing, and whilst it's important to have it there, that's not the thing that will drive it. I think the thing that will drive it is people appreciating it and it being publicized. And you know, there's a real challenge with that as well. Um, how, how do you keep that fresh? And, 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 and the team that generally present these take real time, not just to trot out the same old email every week. And they take real time to think about those particular acts that they're going to call out. And, and also what you'll find over time is that more, you know, that the, there's there's a group of people that seem to keep on getting um, mentioned in the in dispatches, as it were. So, what we do on a quarterly basis and annual basis is is recognise who was nominated most of the time. So it kind of collects up as well. And at the end of the year, um, we, we we as you can imagine, we have all sorts of kind of cash and other incentives. But the only thing that we uh, allocate share options to. As, as a result of, of winning is the culture award. And that's really important because if you think of it as a co-owned company, then the people that are m- making the most effort towards perpetuating and promoting the culture internally through their own behavior are, are the ones that will be taking, will be given more share options in the company. And, and share options come for all sorts of different, for all sorts of different achievements, as you can imagine. But I love the fact that um, at the end of the year, um, you know, there, there isn't the, the, the highest biller or, or whatever it may be that, that gets a, a bunch of share options. It's, it's the person that has has um, most demonstrated and through their own behaviors perpetuated the, the kind of culture and values of the company that, that gets a, a share option grant. Okay, this blows my mind because, and I definitely want to um, talk more about this because the share ownership is something that you guys are famous for. 
um, across the industry. Before we do that, can I just ask the assessment piece of trying to measure the behaviors, both when you're recruiting somebody and then when someone is up for promotion, how how do you do how do you accomplish that? Because it's that seems like you can measure past, you know, track record in terms of sales performance or billings or, you know, if someone was competitive, if they were a, you know, a champion skier or a marathon runner or captain of their rugby team or whatever, you can look at these things. But how do you assess and really measure the um, culture fit from a values perspective? And it's, you know, again, it's not so much a culture fit and it kind of is. So I know I'm being a bit contrary here, but it's more about, um, you know, are they a a kind, caring person? And and, and those things, I think, they're difficult to measure (laughs) exactly. For sure. but is I think it, you can get a good sense of them at interview, okay. and especially when you have a number of people interviewing, and especially when you, um, the people interviewing are f- from that environment. And um, to supplement that, we have um, some really good psychometrics, which which help as well. And and also, I think um, that whole kind of EQ measure, you know, emotional intelligence. I think. Um, if you've got poor emotional intelligence, I think you may be a kind person, but you, you may not you may not see the opportunities always to 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 contribute. So nice. I think that's that that helps. It doesn't it doesn't drive it, but but so and of course, good recruiters are all about uh, good emotional intelligence. So I think that you know that for me fits with that. So sometimes it's looking for, so sometimes it's. It's not actually looking for the, those things, although clearly we do. Sometimes it's about trying to avoid other things. So somebody who's who's clearly confrontational, who's clearly uh, a bit selfish, um, p- particularly egotistical, perhaps a little bit. Um, if they're a little bit, if they find uh, feedback hard to take, you know, because of insecurity or because because they're insecure, because there's a big ego or they're just fragile, then. You know that's a that's a big negative flag for us as well because a lot of what we're trying to do is we're, we're growing the business by thirty percent every year, so people have got to grow very f- fast. You know they've got to really want to be able to develop. And in order to do that, you've got to be very open to feedback. Often feedback you don't want to hear, right? Because it's not we all like to hear the feedback. So like you're doing a fantastic job, but the really valuable stuff is actually you are doing a good job. But if you did this differently, or you know or you could achieve this, and being open to that as opposed to going immediately into defensive mode is really important. Yes, and 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 so we'll use those scenarios in an interview situation to understand whether they're likely to be able to take that well. And of course they're on best behavior in an interview, but even then sometimes you'll, you know, you'll find there's this, there's this natural desire to kind of get, Oh yeah, but, and, and that's immediately, you just, you kind of close down the opportunity for learning there. Fantastic. So it sounds like the interview is structured to come at these issues a little bit more obliquely. You're not directly, asking behavioral questions on, you know, humility or, or kindness or whatever you're, you're assessing it by the way that they answer the, the other questions or sometimes a little bit, a little bit of both. And I think it's important to play around with all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we have yet to design the perfect uh, interview process that gives us exactly the same results. And of course, you know, people change over time as well, don't they? So you've got to accept responsibility for that. And somebody that was positive that becomes slightly less positive, the chances are that's not them actually. The chances are that's something to do with you or, or, or the environment or the stress or the stress that they're under. But if you take the time, you take the care to find out what those things are then instead of just putting them into a box and going oh they used to be positive they're now negative that's their problem it's like how have i failed in my job as a manager that 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 somebody who used to be who used to be this 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 way is, is now feeling like this what, what what could i be doing and again that comes back to what personal responsibility can you take for your team for the culture as opposed to you know what are you going to do for me and i and i just kind of love that i love that idea of uh, as many of us as possible thinking that way because if you do it's a really powerful thing because you become part of this you know again talking cliches a little bit you become part of the solutions place about the problem and you know that's one thing we hate here is 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 people who are really good at presenting problems it's like i found a problem in the company oh well done good for you you're just going to leave that here now are you you know whereas actually 
um, you know, the people that 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 are, that are oblivious to that are not particularly helpful. But the great ones are the ones that go, I've seen this, and I reckon maybe we could do this differently. And you go, okay, at least we've got a starting point there. Yeah, maybe that's a fantastic idea. Actually, chances are, because you're you're at grassroots, you understand it much better than I do. You probably got a much better solution than I have. Um, so maybe that is the solution. But we've, if it, even if it isn't the solution, we've got a start of something, which is, okay, uh, that seems good. What about this? Oh, yeah, maybe that. Or maybe both of those things. Yeah, okay, let's do that. And that that you've just got to love. And if you've got an environment where people do care, where they care for each other and they care for the place they're working for, they're much more likely to try and do that stuff. As, as you know, and, and also, guess what? Have a sense that they own part of it, which they do. Yes. Um, then suddenly it's not them and us. It's not this other entity. It's my entity. And how can I make that better? And that is all quite exciting. And look, you know, I'd love to say it always feels like that all of the time, but, but it's those kind of things, those moments that we're striving for and we're, and, and we're trying to find and encourage that will help this organization get better no matter what size it is because everybody's doing it. Amazing. Let's talk about the ownership then, because I can totally see how someone who is has equity feels like this is their company and are motivated completely differently to someone who's just got an employee mindset. Um, and I've interviewed quite a few CEOs uh, who do give... Um, well, actually, okay, so maybe this you can explain how this works at LaFosse because most of the entrepreneurs I've spoken to give share options and there's a share option scheme in the UK that people can participate in. So they sort of say, look, come on this journey with us and at X point, there'll be an exit event of some kind and you'll have the opportunity to participate in that. So just like stick with us for the next five years and you know, and perform and, you know, you will be rewarded. Um, how does that compare to what you guys are doing at LaFosse? Well, for me, the, the quantum is the important thing. And as you, as, as, as you say, almost every recruitment company offers share options or equity of, 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 of some sort, but there's two things that are important. One is what's the total percentage. Yeah. So it's, you know, five or 10%. It's like, it's fine. If that's how you want to run the company, that's absolutely fine. Um, but it's not the way we've chosen to do it. So we think a, a more a substantial percentage is, is just much fairer. I started the business uh, and I took the risk. And uh, but, but but you know I'm one person amongst 250, and I don't do much billing anymore. So you can see where the value is being created, and it's not me. So I think to say uh, well, I, you know 60% seems really fair to leave me with, uh, and 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 40% just seems like a fairer deal. I think. Um, so, so that quantum is important, and and I think the second thing is th- that that's important for us is that everybody has something, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so from 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 the people in ops, the receptionists, to the people who literally started uh, a few days ago, they'll all have share options, and I think that is that is a really important part of it as well. So it's not just seen again, because because if it's if it's overly concentrated in the upper management, then again it's a them or us thing. Oh, it's very easy for it to become like that. And of course, the senior people in the organization that have been here the longest and are contributing the most and are making the most strategic difference to the value of the company in the future, they, they have a larger amount of, of share options. And so they should. Uh, but that doesn't mean that everybody can't have them. And, and you know, to be honest, for people coming in as, as, as a grad, the, 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 their grant is pretty small, as you can imagine. It has to be, or we can't spread it out in that way but as as they progress uh, in terms of the, the, you know they're, they're developing and uh, as an individual and and they're here over time they can expect those, those share option grants to to increase again not massively um because there's a, there is a limited amount we have to allocate it really fairly mm-hmm. but, but that that principle and for and i think for people you know if we do sell the company or float the company or do something with it then um, the, you know, the people that uh, have just joined the organization won't receive much. And, you know, I, I, that's just, that's a fact. But Of course. Well, yeah, that's just, it makes total sense. You, you can't, the people who've been with you and have contributed over time and created the most value um, need to, to get more than the person who's just joined yesterday, right? That, but even just psychologically, to feel like you are part a real part of the business, I think that's powerful. Um, 
At what point did you decide to do that? And how important do you believe that's been to the success over the last 15 years? It's, this is the interesting thing, Mark. It creates this environment. So well, when will I get them, right? And I go, well, I don't know. We're not here to uh, build a company in three years and flog it. You know, We're trying to do something that's a bit more interesting than that. But what I can tell you is that when there is an event, uh, 40% of the company is going to be given away. And I can tell you that. And if you're not here when that happens, you leave. Um, then you're not going to benefit from it. But if you're here, then then you know that that's the one piece of math I can explain. I'm only going to take sixty percent, um, but but I can't uh, I, I can't uh, uh, define the rest pr- precisely. And you know I think there is some sense within the company of oh will anything ever happen? Well, so I'm just keep on running this because and it's just a mechanism for retention. Well. Uh, well, no, that's not going to be the case. But also, I'm very conscious that whatever we do, I don't want it to be the end of the journey. There's a bunch of people that are enjoying this journey and, and doing what I think is some great work and and, and hopefully helping to uh, kind of show a slightly better way. F- and I don't want to sound too pompous about this because I think a lot of companies, are, are, a lot of recruitment companies are changing the way they, they operate a little bit. But, but I, I love the idea that we'll carry on you know, demonstrating the industry that there's 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 a there's a way to be successful in this with with you know without a kind of dog eat dog culture and that perhaps it might be a, a slightly more satisfying and effective way to work. So that that uh, journey is really important. So I'd love that to continue. Um, how we how we do that whilst getting some value out of the company, I, I have an answer to that yet, and I don't need an answer to it. Um, I don't think, but um, but. You know who 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 knows what 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 will come. Fantastic! Uh, thank you for sharing. It's really interesting uh, the way you're doing that. And and sorry, I sorry actually, Mark. One and one other point to make is all the time we're growing at thirty percent per annum. Those share options are growing in value at 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 thirty at thirty percent. So uh, I think the key is if the the company's stalled and it just never has. Um, then I think we'd have a bit of a problem on our hands, but but because we're being a successful organisation and that's kind of in our DNA, th- there's actually no uh, unless somebody wants to retire or um, and if they want to leave the company, then they lose them. So uh, you know there is a certain sense of I, you know I remember I w- I worked for a company where we floated and nobody wanted to sell their share options because the oh. share price was going up and they would have been foolish to do so. It went yeah. up uh, several hundred percent in a few years. And, and if, you know, if we were to float the company, uh, w- w- you'd expect this, our share price to double every three years. So um, I don't know what you're getting in you know, in deposit account right now, but it's certainly, it's certainly yeah. not. It was negative with inflation. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, so, so um, I guess it's in some senses, Right now, it's symbolic, but what it does represent is forty percent of the company of the forty percent of the value that is collectively being developed by the people in this organization, and that's un- un- unarguable. And and I would hope at some point that um, we'll find a way of realizing that that doesn't stop our growth or end the journey. Fantastic! I love it. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you probably know that I run a coaching program called Inner Circle. You might be interested to know that starting on March 14th, I'll be working closely with a handful of recruitment business owners who want to double or triple their billings in the next six months. If you qualify, we'll give you a proven framework and help you install the exact systems and strategies that have helped our other members to achieve remarkable results. People like Alex, who increased his billings by 300% in nine months, and Martin, who went from billing six figures per year to six figures per month. You can watch these video case studies and schedule a free strategy session with my team at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash book a call. On that call, we'll explain how the program works, what it costs, and answer your questions with no sales pressure. If we're a good match for each other, fantastic. If not, absolutely fine too. I guarantee you'll enjoy the process and get value regardless of whether or not we decide to work together. There are three criteria to participate. Number one, you have an established recruitment search or staffing business and are already billing at least six figures. Number two, you're prepared to invest in your own development. And number three, you're coachable and open to fresh ideas that could improve your business. If that sounds like you, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash book a call and we look forward to speaking with you very soon. 
So we've talked a lot about culture and values, but you've started coming on there about the fact of commercial success because you have been extremely successful in that sense as well, in terms of growth, in terms of profitability. Um, so could you talk a little bit about that? Because that commercial success has been exceptional as well. If you think there's 27,000 recruitment companies in the UK or something like that, um, and you guys are towards the the top you know, percentile of that in terms of size, in terms of turnover, in terms of profit, whatever measure you you choose, um, what do you think have been the critical success factors to achieving that? Um, care, ambition, and humility is a very okay. All right, is, so is you're going to go back very, to the, yeah. I am actually. I yeah. am. Yeah, I think continually ambitious. Yeah. So you're continuing to be the best you can. We never sit back and go, "Oh, we're great, aren't we?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there. We do enjoy that moment, but we move on fairly swiftly to you know what can we do? What can we do next? What is mm-hmm. what has this allowed us? What platform is this giving us to kind of go on and do better things? And that that mm-hmm. is genuinely exciting. I think keeping care at the at the center of things is is so simple. You know, we've got this great big neon sign behind the re- reception desk that just says care, and and it is such a simple thing, but everybody knows what that means. So. Yeah. Um, holding on to that very dearly, and as you know, as we've talked about before, that that idea of don't, you know, don't let hubris get in the way. Don't 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 um, start to believe your own story too much. So so you know, stay humble. So I I I, I totally accept that you if you have those core values at the center of the business as well as individually how people are operating. Um, for sure, it's it's intangible, but I'm positive it's had been a you know one of the key contributing factors to your success. Having said that, you still need effective strategies and techniques to you know turn those values into productive work and placements and 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 so on. So, you know, what do you got? What do you think you're doing differently there that separates you from other recruitment businesses? I think. The processes come out of that, to be honest with you. So, if you're taking care with the way you design a process, the you know the promotional, uh, the way you review people, you take more care with that. The, uh, the the people you promote, you take more care with that. The when they become managers, you take a lot of care in terms of the way that you train them. Um, and uh, and when they're having a tough time, you take a lot of ca- you take a lot of care with that. And I know it, it's it's again, it sounds very simple, but I don't. You know, there are mechanisms that, that need to sit behind it. I mean, a good example is, um, you know, how do we measure whether our culture is is, is good? Because, you know, that's an easy thing to say, isn't it? But but you, you need to be able to measure that really, really tightly. And and we do through a whole variety of ways. So if you look at attrition, that's a, that's a great sign. If you look at uh, Office Vibe, which is something we use, it gives us great ongoing f- feedback on a daily basis as to what teams are feeling good, what they're feeling good about, what they're not feeling so good about. So you can identify it and, 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 change, and, and take actions as you need to. Glassdoor, again, is a lovely way of, of uh, giving us a, a good sense of, of what's going on in the organization as well. Uh, we use NPS as well. We use that internally, actually, as part of the whole kind of Office Vibe uh, score. We also use externally with our clients. So all of those things we're tracking, all of those things are very, very clear, hard metrics that are, that are measuring those things. And, um, but yeah, look, there's a whole load of processes that I could bore you to death with that sit sit behind how, how we, how we assess people, how, how we keep them engaged, how we promote them, um, how we set up new markets, um, and you know, uh, and, and they they are becoming more robust as 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 we're getting larger. But also, then this is a really interesting thing, isn't it? You you don't want to be too robust because the moment they too robust, it's like this is this is the menu. This is what we do. So you've got to find this this happy space between um, this is what we have in place now and it's fit for purpose now. But but we kind of like the idea and it's robust enough to be able to be implemented and and followed up. But it's not so set in stone that five years' time, when it isn't fit for purpose anymore, that we're still kind of adhering to it. So, so you've got to find that way of being able to iterate on things, and um, and constantly improve them. And we don't always get that right, but there's that sense of that is certainly sits behind uh, what what we're trying to do. 
And in some other areas of our business, it's almost the opposite, actually. So we've got some more entrepreneurial parts of our business, like future-proof and digital outcomes, where um, we're actually doing the opposite because we don't have processes. We're trying to find the market and we're trying to find the best way of doing something in a, in a, in a new space. So there, it's, it's very much that kind of whole um, you know, startup culture of fail, fail fast, try some experiments, be bold with that, but measure it carefully uh, and uh, look at the data and, and change what you're doing if the data is telling you that that perhaps wasn't the greatest idea. Uh, but you've got to be really fast on that and really incisive. Uh, and, and again, but, but it all comes back to measurement. So, you know, whilst ambition, care, and humility sits at everything, sits at the heart of everything, it doesn't mean that we, we, we don't put some very clear metrics around everything to, to, to be able to uh, take it away from a, a kind of subjective opinion to a much more objective sense of, of, of where we're going. And, and also, importantly, which way are we trending? Are we trending up or down? So right now, you know, the business is doing fabulously on all the measures, and it's good It's good. It's good to know that every single measure, you know, whether it's financial or, or or in terms of the the kind of culture and the values, but guess what? We're in a great market as well. So, yeah. so the question for me is not are we doing better? Well, of course we're doing better. It's are we doing better relative to the market, yes. and also are we doing as well as we should be, bearing in mind how how much higher the market is, and also are we in danger of uh, believing it's all about us and or adding. Um, cost th- that is going to hurt us when the market takes a dip which it inevitably will and when you've got to my ripe old age mark uh you know it's just a matter of uh, when not if <laughs> absolutely you've seen it multiple times i'm sure Look, sadly i have you you there's no way you could bore me with process because i'm fascinated by all that stuff <laughs> just to clarify nps is net promoter score for those who yeah. may not be familiar with the term uh glass tour is good tip um vibe how do you is that like, how do you measure vibe? So it's called Office Vibe. It's actually a, a software product. And, ah. and I, sh- I should have shares in the company because okay. I talk about it a lot. And look, there's a, there's a number of uh, um, uh, software companies that, that have a similar thing, but ah. we, think Office, we think Office Vibe is good. But it's a constant measuring tool that you use. So it surveys, it surveys people um, and uh, on a kind of daily, weekly basis with different questions. Some of them... Some of them from us, some of them are a bit random. They ask the same questions in a different way. And, um, so, uh, and you need a good level of engagement is, is, is an interesting point on that. Because yes. if you're getting feedback just from a, a, a small percentage, then you're not really getting a great feel. And often it's the, it's the percentage that aren't replying that, um, uh, that, that are the ones you have to look out for. But our engagement at the moment, we were talking about it just the other day, it's 58%. And in the past, it's been kind of in this mid-60s. So that's something we're working at. And again, you know, to have that kind of honesty internally is really important as opposed to going, oh, if his vibe scores are great, uh, you know, at a board level. And then, you know, at a kind of mid-management level, they go, well, that's because, you know, we're not bothering too much about the ones that aren't. And I think um, it was it came not not from me, but from the middle of the organization to say, you know, they are good. What about what about the people that aren't engaged? How do how do we increase their engagement? And I just love that because uh, they're making their job. You could say they're making their job hard in a way because they're going to get some negative feedback by getting those people engaged. But they're not actually because they're thinking in a really mature way about it, which is like those are the disengaged people. So those are the ones that are likely to leave. Those are the ones that won't be performing as well. Those are the ones that are dragging the culture down. So those are the ones actually that we really need to hear from. And we need to find out why they're not happy because the chances are, because they're good people, they wouldn't be here. Chances are they've got a good reason for not feeling great. And so what is it we can do about that? That is amazing. Um, I think most companies, recruitment or otherwise in any company, they don't really look at that they you know it's a great point you're if your score is only based on the you're measuring engagement based on the people who are already engaged then it's a false yeah. uh, measure exactly. isn't it um exactly. and and so, look no, yeah. they, they, and that's not always the case often there are some people you know who are uh giving you feedback <laughs> you don't want to hear yeah uh, so, so but but yeah for the unknowns they're they're exactly that they're just unknown I, I definitely want to learn about future proof, but before we do that, on this subject of metrics, because that's something I'm really interested in, what are the other key metrics that you pay attention to, Simon? Um, all the ones you'd expect us to. So we're very good at looking at 
at prospects as um, so the top of the funnel. Um, and we look at that in a whole number of different ways because we see that as, 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 a, as a, you know, we've got enough data to know that it's just a predictor of future, future revenue. And I think if you look at that well enough and they, the, the, the quality of that data is good enough, and that's always a constant struggle as well because it's changing the whole time, then the really interesting thing there is you can start to change the future. So when your prospects are telling you that you're going to be, uh, you're going to be ten or twenty percent below budget in say two months, two or three months time, then guess what? You've actually got an opportunity to change that. So you've got to do it relatively mm-hmm. quickly. So whether that's a BD drive, whether that's, uh, well, there's all sorts of things you can do, but really a lot of the time it's just driving up the activity. Uh, whether it's a marketing initiative or whether it's ch- changing the focus on work in progress to, to generating new work. Um, you've got mechanisms there through processes, as, as you say, that allow you not to look at prospects and go, oh, that sh- means we're going to have a tough month in a couple of months because if we don't do something within the next week, we're going to do that. And then then that's really exciting because you kind of go, actually, we were down, spotted it early, rectified it. The, um, the only, we are only below for a week. It's going to have no material impact on, on, on revenues in, in two, two to three months' time. Uh, and we've we've seen something off that would otherwise just have surprised us. So I love all all the stuff you can put in that c- kind of allows that isn't retrospective, you know, that allows you to change uh, the future for you potentially. And you know what, Office Vibe is is a good example of that. You know, Glassdoor and Attrition. Guess what? Actually, not Glassdoor because it's a lot of the people that are still here are applying to that. Let's say Attrition. Attrition is a lagging indicator that's fairly useless. Right? It just tells you that you're doing stuff wrong. Um, after the the uh, horse is bolted, so Office Vibe tells you that you're doing stuff wrong, but you've now got a, you've got a chance to fix it and 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 good forward indication of of future revenue in in terms of um, various different ways of looking at your your kind of prospect pipeline. Again, gives gives you an opportunity to uh, to, to make sure that future is the near term future is is what you want it to be. Fantastic. So for prospects at the top of the funnel, what is the lead indicator? Is it conversations? Is it client meetings? Like what do you what do you choose? It's, it's different for different businesses. So we have okay. a, a big search business and that's quite a lumpy revenue. You know, a good fee there is is a hundred thousand. Yeah. Um so, so, so that's much more difficult to predict. Um, we also may do some work for a private equity company where we'll have f- suddenly five or six of those assignments come on at one point in time. So trying to predict that's a bit of a nightmare. Um, and at the other end of the spectrum, the, the kind of contract business um, is is much easier. Is much mm-hmm. easier to predict, and often it goes straight to working on. So you have no prospects. Um, so sometimes you've got to use prospects and work in progress uh, together in quite a sophisticated way to understand. Exactly, exactly where you are, okay. and with some of our future-proof work, again, um, what we find is is that they're often taking a number of people from us uh, uh, when 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 they start working with us f- from day one. So again, you know, how do you measure the value of that? Do you measure it as as one person, or you don't actually? You measure a deal, a prospective deal, as say two people, because that's the average that they take. So. Um, you know, this stuff is, sorry, I'm probably boring with the detail here. No, but- not at all. As I said, impossible. Uh, <laughs> the, that's what I want to latch on to. Um, but look, we, we're short on time. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, Simon. It's really fascinating. Tell me about Future Proof. What is that all about? So Future Proof, we are really properly excited about because it's this uh, opportunity for us to uh, help address the diversity issue in, and the shortage in the industry. So recruiters very fairly uh, often criticised for just for moving people around, whereas we've got a chronic shortage of, of 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 tech talent, especially in software engineering. So this gives us an opportunity to uh, uh, train people free of charge. So it's expensive for us. Uh, it cost us nearly a million pounds. We invested over a million pounds last year. Uh, or actually, the, the, the total cost, we invested more than a million. The total cost was not far short of a, mil- of a million pounds of profit to us. Um, so, so we select people. We select that we, we recruit uh, graduates. Uh, we select just the top 2 or 3%. So we have outstanding people. We then train them free, completely free of charge for 13 weeks. And then we'll then place them on client site. Uh, for, for, two, uh, for a two-year period and hope and try and encourage 
the client and the and the individual to work well together so that they then become permanent members of staff after after those two years and the lovely thing about it is we're not asking them to fork out as you know some of these uh, tra- training courses cost nine or ten thousand pounds which means that you're, you're you're selecting on the ability to pay rather than their ability to be really good at what they do mm. so we're not doing that um, clearly there's a trade-off isn't there between uh, needing to recoup that money over a two-year period with the client but we found what we think is is a really good way to do that, and and um, the feedback from the students and the clients is fantastic on that. So, despite it being kind of quite an expensive thing for us to in, in, invest in, uh, it's allowing us to present properly diverse uh, shortlists short of of potential uh, um, junior software engineers to our clients in in every sense, ethnically. In terms of gender, in terms of economic background, and um, that's massively well received. As you know, that's only becoming more and more genuinely important uh, as as organisations realise they just can't succeed uh, w- with the kind of the old, very imbalanced uh, position that they're in. Um, Amazing. So, are the, you're you're training people and placing them in technical roles? Yeah, we are mostly software engineers. Yeah. At this point in time, and 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 um, and the lovely, the, the really exciting thing about it is, there's quite a, there's a few companies out there that do it, but the, but most of the companies are trying to uh, don't have the kind of network we have. So we have 250 people out there, you know, 15 years of working with uh, the, the same decision makers that are choosing to hire software engineers. And so we've got this massive head start where if, if we can make the academy absolutely brilliant, which we have, and and again, the metrics support that in terms of uh, the, the kind of Glassdoor and Office 5 scores, uh, not just while we're training them, but whilst they're on client site, uh, which is better than any other competition. Um, being able to uh, do that uh, you know, in a really high quality way and benefit from this massive network we have, not just in terms of knowing so many uh, tech decision makers, but having the kind of reputation we do, and presenting them with this with this problem, which or not sorry, with this problem with a solution to their problem, which is I can't hire really good devs. Well, you can you can now, and uh, they are inexperienced, but they've had a great training, and because they're top two or three percent, they're going to be fantastic, and the, and it's and it's a diverse. It's a diverse group of people, so that is really exciting. It's difficult because it's new, and uh, and and it's a totally different concept to you know find somebody with three years experience. But the what we're finding again is that flywheel effect that, that the clients that have taken it are saying this is brilliant, and they're taking more, and and that is helping us to prove to the marketplace that it's uh, it's a powerful way of, of moving ahead going forward. But it is. Uh, it's not for it's not for everybody because it's uh, this is we've been doing this for three years and it's yet it's yet to make money but and we're confident in terms of the way it's trading that it that it will uh, s- start to repay and in fact be a major value driver for us as a business. It's amazing. Like the thing is with recruitment. Uh, okay, there's technological advancement, but really there's not whole lot that we're doing differently over 50 years or whatever, right? And innovation in recruiting is is pretty rare. And so it's cool from that point of view, but it's also really a powerful differentiator, something, you know, that it's because so many recruiters do more or less the same thing, or at least that's the perception of clients, that it can be hard to capture the attention of the market clients and candidates and you have something really radically different to talk to them about whether or not they ultimately choose to take it up that's i'm sure it's opening a lot of doors and creating a lot of really high level conversations for you so yeah no you're absolutely you're, abs- you're absolutely right and initially when we were asking people who are guess what really busy doing their own work working their own vertical to say and can you talk to them about this it was like well i can but i'm busy or or i don't really fully understand it and that was that was part of the reason it's taken us a, 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 a while to get there and now 
that's exactly the feedback we're getting. Oh, wow, I've started a conversation with a client that just wasn't interested in talking to me before. Or, you know, whether it was the diversity play or whether it's the fact that this is a potential solution, a long-term solution to the kind of talent shortage of, 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 of software engineers, um, it, it raises the conversation from, you know, that kind of got any jobs to something that's more strategically important. So not only are the, you know, are the, uh, are the heads of software engineering interested, but guess what? The CIO is interested, the HRD is interested. And, uh, and, 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 um, and, and it does, it's, it, it, it's, it, it, and it's not easy because we've got really busy people being experts in their own verticals, managers who are, who are, you know, rushed off their feet. So trying to find the slow time to think about how you do present something differently uh, and that's additive to your day job as opposed to, you know, diminishing your ability to be effective. Those are, are quite subtle things. And um, it's about organization. It's about education. It's about training. It's about hearts and minds. And it's about appropriate rewards as well. So we're working all of that stuff through but you kind of know there's a big prize there um, because it's it's a really good business model uh, if we can get it working or when we get it working, uh, uh, and um, and you also know it's the right solution, strategic solution for the industry because it's the, we need to put more we need to put more more people into it, and it needs to become more diverse because there's nothing more dysfunctional than a, than a, than a, you know a, 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 a white male uh tech function <laughs> totally so this is amazing simon how can people find out more about future proof then um just uh, go to our website and um and, which is lafosse.com which is yeah which is lafosse.com just google lafosse and it'll take you there it'll take you yeah. to two places actually it takes it okay. takes you to lafosse associates and also a small guest house in dorset <laughs> <laughs> okay hilarious we're the first we're the first one okay Excellent. Simon, this has been brilliant. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom and uh, insight today. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.